You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, where you're going to hear a valuable hunting-based conversation that's tailored for us Southern folk. If you love what we do and would like to support Southern Ground Hunting, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes below. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know, and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show. All right, welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm by myself today as far as hosts go, but I am joined by two of my buddies, Ricky Bullard and Spencer Ford from Florida. How you guys doing? I know it's like 70 degrees here right now. I can imagine it's warmer than that down there in Florida. Oh, yeah, it's in the 80s. <laughs> Golly. Feels like turkey yeah, season, don't it? A nice little breeze, though. So you guys just literally shot a deer, both of you, like, what, a week ago? A little over a week ago? Yeah, killed mine on the 12th. It's definitely, it made it a weird transition in turkey season, killing one this close. <laughs> That's nuts, man. Freaking. Yeah. And, and y'all doubled up. Spencer, you killed one the same day, right? Or was it? Uh, day. Uh, the day day after yeah on the 13th which was our last day I almost killed one on the 12th um uh i can tell that story later but yeah that's nuts man I, so i'm trying to think arkansas may be open till the end of the month but i feel like you guys are probably about the latest that i know of. i thought uh i thought alabama had i mean i know y'all's right pretty late what, what was the last day of season last day of season here is february 10th so yeah, okay. season was over when you guys killed um 
And Arkansas, man, I feel like Arkansas goes till like the end of February, maybe. I think, yeah, I've looked at it before. It goes real late. So check, this is, this is, I've always thought this is crazy. There's parts of Florida that you can start hunting in what, July, August, beginning of August, end of July? July. And what's the last day of season that you can hunt in Florida, period? Uh, I think private land goes even later. We were on public, but the private goes towards towards the end of February. I think it just, what day is it? I think it just ended. <laughs> so as a Florida resident. Third week of February. As a Florida resident, your off season could be, uh, it'd be March, April, May, June. Yeah, I mean, you really got like four months of off season and then you it's literally deer season the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. You put turkeys in there even less. That is nuts, man. I don't know how Florida guys stay yeah. married. My goodness. Well, clearly we don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It, it keeps it rocky. <laughs> I, I've never traveled to South Florida, but yeah, we got we got four deer zones. So down, down around the Everglades, they start real early, which you can you know, try to decipher why. They say maybe because of flooding and, and certain things that, that – maybe causes a you know something in them to trigger for that but uh yeah starting down there in july to beat the the wet season uh, as far as fawn drop and then kind of progresses but there's you can look on the florida rut map but there's there's a pocket down south uh i think it's north of tampa south of orlando um that has a late season and then you know it kind of proceeds up and over here where we are, I got pictures of, of bucks tending those uh, three weeks before our season starts. So they actually, and, and I've kind of timed my fawn drop because I'll get them right here by the house. We'll drop them in the swamp and we'll see them off the dock every once in a while. And they seem to be real, real late August or first week of September. And that's three weeks ahead of our season opening is, is when they seem to be going best uh, right here by me. So. It's a screwy time, like, you know, we kind of need almost another zone for our coastal areas. So what? By the coast, we seem to hit it a little bit earlier. What's the... Um, real late, of course. What's, like, prime time for you guys where you're hunting at? Well, where I'm at, it's a little bit different. Uh, I'm, I'm about almost an hour north of Spencer, so mine's, like, early October, late September. Kind of the kind of the same as south coastal Georgia. Um, I think he's Spencer a little bit earlier than me, where he's at. How about you, Spencer? Yeah, I'm about a month earlier than that. Like I said, it kind of screws me because um, they're doing the majority of it three weeks before my season opens, three weeks before bow. So, um, I mean, we we got to whack the ratio that it'll continue. And when you see the scrapes start to open up, you know, every every 30 days or 28 days or whatever, you know, as they pop back into semester cycles there. But um, and I had pictures of two good bucks chasing right next to one of my students in December, and I've seen them chasing in January. So I mean, it, it'll be continual, but that that first prime one is is early before my season opens. So you guys both killed bucks here pretty recently, and um, I've been following you guys along throughout the season, and um, I'm interested to know because we've talked to a lot of people, um, and we'll ask you first, Ricky. We've talked to a lot of people that said that it's been pretty difficult 
hunting. It's just been weird. It's been an off year for rut activity and deer movement and things like that. Have you experienced those same trends? And if so, um, kind of go into detail about what you've, what you've experienced there. Yeah, it was, uh, it was all for me this year for a lot of reasons, but as far as in the woods, you know, early season was pretty typical as far as food sources, the white oaks were like, I had a hard time finding them around here. And I think I found some in Kentucky, but they weren't really dropping yet. But, uh, that, that part of the season was normal for me. But then as far as rut activity, like I had a quota hunt where I should have seen some rut activity and there was like nothing. I mean, I saw a couple does eating some water oaks, but everything I banked on from last year, all the white oaks I was going to hunt, you know, swamp chestnuts, stuff like that. They just, they were non-existent and, uh, and there were no deer chasing when, in you know, in places where they historically would have been. So. Yeah. How about, how about you, Spencer? Yeah, I, I, pretty difficult year, I would say. I, I wouldn't say that the rut activity was, was off. Um, you know, I, I hunted Florida, Kentucky, and Kansas, and, um, Kansas was definitely slower. Um, I've only done it for two years now, and slower than some people have said that it, that it sometimes gets but i don't know if that's just the property or if things were hitting a little bit off or what but i will say that that real bad cold snap that came you know it, everyone thinks oh when it gets cold you know the deer are gonna move it, when it drops that hard you know it, it seems to almost shock them um I, i've hunted in a couple different cold snaps like that out of state and uh, it'll it'll actually reduce activity more. It seems um, the same as being extremely hot. You know, extreme cold seems to mess with them a little bit too. But but I had a pretty good hunt out there. I stuck a 140 in the shoulder and uh, 55 yards with a crosswind and didn't work out for me. So I lost that deer in in Kansas and uh, that was pretty heartbreaking. Had some other good experiences. Saw some other big deer. Uh, got pretty close uh had some opportunities at, at small i watched a two-year-old you know 120 or something i can breed it though my time out in front of me um you know had had a couple really good days but then they, yeah. they did lock down pretty hard and then you, you really had to just find them you know but if you could find them you, you know you catch them bedded down with the does and, and locking them up but uh yeah, so we we still have some pretty good luck, and my buddy shot a 137, and uh, that was his first trip out there. But uh, but we had some luck, and then I came, I, I shot one early season, but it was it was a rough, a good and bad season for me. I ended up killing nine deer, five bucks, but um, but I lost that one in Kansas, and then I shot one and keep it, I lost, and. Uh, so we actually had a small world story about that buck in Kentucky. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, our tracker, Lance, who I talked about on the podcast, everybody knows the story of my early season buck that I didn't recover. Uh, come to find out, Lance tracked another buck in almost the same spot. Um, and he was telling me about it the whole time. Like, man, this is so similar to another track I just had with a guy from Florida. So similar. Like, same shot same spot almost yeah. like everything and come to find out it was you uh i thought that was pretty yeah. funny and correct me if i'm wrong spencer but he ended up finding that deer correct 
Well, it, it all added up to be the right deer. Um, it was in the area that we, we had pushed him a little bit because he had, he had looped around some and, you know, I'm, I'm taking the tracker's advice here. And he said, well, push him just a little bit so that the dog doesn't blow up in the morning on this loop track. Okay. So we pushed him just a little bit. Well, we left him there, came out and, um, kind of the way it ended up with mine was he was busy. He's got a girl that tracks with him too. And, and she had her dog that is a proven dog, but it's just not as old. It's still a younger dog, but he felt so confident that we'd go right to him in the morning. Well, that didn't work out. Uh, so then when he brought his dog in later on, when he was available, it to be kind of tracking that other dog. And we looped around, looped around, looped around. Just, it, it just didn't turn out. So we ended up not finding there, but, uh, you know, hats off to him that he just doesn't really give up. He, he came to Coburn and he finally ended up in that same spot and found a deer with his head off. Um, just skeleton, of course. And just the age of that, it, it seemed to all kind of add up. And yeah, it went off. Obviously, the buck that somebody took the deadhead off of. But, uh, and it was right about in the spot that mine would have been left at. Uh, but it's just unfortunate that. And we actually blood trailed up the hill a little bit, and I think that he started work up the hill right on it and went to that thicket, and that's just a spot that we didn't touch it. We took the blood, and I started kind of looping on the hill, and they went down. But I don't know if he kind of looped him back, tracked himself, and they just didn't You know, who knows exactly what happens, but one way or another, uh, it was recover that deer. So. It was a, that was a crazy track, man. And I know ours was pretty nuts too. Um, I actually, I ran into Lance this weekend at uh, NWTF and um, we got talking. He's like, man, I just, I know we should have found both of those deer. Like we just should have everything pointed to being able to find them. Um, And that's just, that's just part of archery, right? It's just part of archery hunting. It's going to happen. I felt like we both did everything right when you make a shot like that. But um, speaking of archery, it does seem like, uh, Ricky, you've kind of bit off something in the archery world that um, makes it more difficult. And I don't know how I feel about that, Uh, but you seem to be doing pretty good with the trad bow here lately. Tell us about that. Yeah, I guess I like to make things hard on myself. So I I, uh, strung up my granddad's old recurve at the end of uh, 21 season. and. just, I mean, it was just no reason I should have been in the woods with it. So kept on working on it. I didn't feel comfortable with hunting with it. And I felt good enough over the summer, you know, I'm going to start hunting with it uh, in 2022 deer season. So I wanted to go out and kill a couple of hogs with it just to kind of, you know, see what it could do. It was a 50 pound recurve. And uh, I was able, I missed a couple, killed a couple of hogs, you know, stalking them out there and out here in South Georgia. But, uh, I felt confident with it, and I think it was, I started, I committed to it, and I started off, I think it was the second or third day of the season in Georgia. I killed a six-point with it, um, and he was, you know, just hunting, I was just hunting water oaks, that's how I killed him, but yeah, and then once I did that, it was, you know, I was ruined after that, because I knew I wanted to keep doing it, so then um, I know Spencer thinks I'm crazy, but we went up to Kentucky, and I took my recurve, I took my compound too, but I hunted with it like the last afternoon just in case I made a bad shot. We didn't have time to trail one, but uh, 
I killed a doe with it in Kentucky. And I mean, full disclosure, I did back, I backstrapped another two does up there. I think they're fine, but you know, it's just, it comes with it, you know, it's, it's tough and it's so much slower. I mean, my bow's pretty fast for a recurve and it's, it's still, you know, over a hundred feet per second slower than my compound. So <laughs> it's just something you got to deal with, you know, aim low, but, uh, yeah, I had a good season with it. I, I think I missed three. I'm, I'm sorry. I wounded three, uh, non-fatal as far as I know and, uh, killed two deer with it, two hogs. So not bad. One thing I noticed Ricky about you and, uh, uh, Spencer, this may even be the case for you too, but I know with Ricky, as I've watched some of his videos and he's done some stuff with that. Um, I think about was I think last year or the year before that you were uh, you had shot a buck with your bow and we were texting back and forth about it. But you're showing the situation and it was very a pretty unconventional looking spot, very tight, close quarters. I watched another video um, of the the six point that you were talking about that you killed with your well, you recurve. So your first recurve deer, you also got pretty perfectly on camera, which is pretty nuts. I, I yeah, <laughs> I lost lost my mind when I looked back at the video and actually got it. Yeah, it was it, like perfect, like over the shoulder, shoulder professional quality, dang good shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to know, Ricky, what your setups are looking like to be able to get into archery range, but not only archery range. I mean, now you're talking about getting into like it has to be inside of. 15 or 20 yards uh what are some of the yeah. things you're doing to get into those pockets that you feel like you're going to have a uh, good shot opportunity in well obviously it's pretty obvious i'm hunting feed trees um uh, not to say i wouldn't hunt a trail you know road activity or whatever but i'm hunting feed trees and i'm just being super conscious of where i think the deer are bedding at and coming from that's you know pretty self-explanatory but i'm even more conscious when I start getting in to my shot area, I'm just really careful about my ground scent. Um, and if you're hunting kind of like on the fly and you're looking for feed trees and hunting that afternoon, sometimes you can't always do that. But if you're doing that, you also don't know where the deer are coming from. Most of the time you can guess, but you know, uh, just being a lot more mindful of stuff like that when I'm getting ready to set up and I'm at the tree. But um, other than that, I mean, just now I, I know like, 15 yards and in that's what i want my first year was 18 yards and i've shot a couple that far you know since then and that's a long shot for especially for a, a beginner i know there's guys that kill them further but that's not going to be me i'm like sub 20 is what i want to stick to but now i'm thinking that 15 yard range or less is what I, is what i really want but um it's just uh as far as setting up you know that part I already already kind of did that with my bow because most of the deer I shot run twenty yards with a compound. Yeah, but I just fell. In, I I like that aspect of it setting up on them, and also like all the other stuff that comes along with traditional archery. You know, uh, you can pretty much do everything yourself as far as your bows, you know, your bows concerned, or your arrows. So that's kind of what hooked me. Do you want to know more about saddle hunting? Well, you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you know me, you know that I love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment, where everything works together, and we preach about it a lot on this podcast. When you buy from Tethered, you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system. 
saddles, platforms, ropes, climbing sticks, and a ton of other great gear just for saddle hunting can be found by visiting tetherednation.com today. That's tetherednation.com. Check them out. So we're talking about um, Florida, which is a difficult state. Um, definitely, I would say one of the tougher whitetail states in the country. Um, you guys are hunting pretty warm temperatures um, most of the year. I mean, I was in I was in Florida Christmas, I guess, this year. It was Christmas this year, and that was when that cold snap came through, and it was kind of chilly. But even for a chilly day in Florida, it was it was not all that cold. Um, when you guys set up, obviously, I'm, I'm going to try to phrase this question shorter than it sounds in my head. Um, when you guys set up down here or up here in Alabama um, or in Kentucky or in any of these states, uh, I would even consider Alabama to be maybe not in this category because it does stay pretty warm here. But a lot of these states, it gets cooler earlier. Um, and we know that deer move, it seems like deer move around when it's cooler, right? Like when it's 85 degrees, 90 degrees, they're probably not going to be up just hanging out all day long. The colder days they will, um, they will do that. Are you setting up there, Ricky? Um, real like tight tight to cover like you said you hunt feed trees are you trying to find those feed trees that are like really really tight into the bedding areas or are you just going based on the sign that you see at any particular feed tree uh personally i'm setting up where it's tight like that if you that buck the buck i shot my recurve that is like a maybe 30 yard opening and just like a sea of palmettos and it's just, uh, you know, you walk through the pound of palmettos, boom, you're in the open, and there just happened to be water oaks dropping. Uh, same thing with the doe I killed in Kentucky, the persimmons, you know, well, any of the deer that I've gotten on my recurve, it's been food and tight cover. And um, that's, I think that's why and it's pretty, I think that's why they're more comfortable coming there, which we all know that. But, you know, you can walk under a persimmon tree and, uh, you know, it's in the wide open or water oak, whatever. And uh, you might find, you know, a little bit of deer poop, but when you get to that one that's like in the in the thick, uh, in a in a thicket or just super secluded, you can tell the difference. You know, all the deer droppings and stuff on it. It's just it's it's obvious when you see it. Man, there's a. Uh, I'm glad you answered it that way. I think it's easy for guys out here, uh, down in the south, really Florida, but Alabama, Georgia, um all the deep south states mississippi and louisiana um you're going to have 80 degree days in november probably potentially even in december um and sometimes even during january in the south honestly like in florida there's no telling but everywhere in the south like you may get those like it literally feels like summertime outside right now um and a few days ago it was nearly snowing so um, like it's, it, it can shift that, that quickly. And I think it's easy for, it has been for me to go in and read sign and see that there's a lot of sign around, around one area, um, and not think about, okay, like if I walk into a place and it's wide open, I, I'll just give you a scenario that happened to me this year that always came back to me. 
um, there was one spot where I got out of the boat and in the wide open hardwoods, there was rubs and scrapes and all kinds of sign right there in that spot. But it was, in, I mean, literally the wide open. You could see 150, 200 yards clearly all around you. And then you had the water right there. But there was a lot of deer sign right there. And I kept thinking to myself, like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. I'm going to hunt this. I'm going to hunt this. Um, and I never did. Uh, but one thing I can tell you is that um, the deer that I was, was seeing in this area, I'm glad I didn't hunt that particular spot because the deer I was seeing in this area were doing the same stuff on another tree once I found it closer into the cover, almost in the cover, in a clear cut. Um, and I found the same amount of sign over there and I was seeing deer in that spot and I felt like if I were to have set on this other one, it probably wouldn't have there probably wouldn't have been a deer there in daylight. That was probably all nighttime activity. And so you really have to use that. Whereas in Kentucky, when it's cooler in November or uh, Indiana, Illinois, whatever, any of these Midwestern states, yeah, maybe maybe throw a hunt at that big sign that's in the wide open because you never know what's going to show up. But mm. out here, it, particularly when it's, when it's warmer, I just don't see them going into those spots. So uh, I'm glad you answered it that way. Spencer, do you have anything you want to add to that? Um, no, I, Ricky hunts a lot of feed trees and I, I think he, he walks more than most people I know. So he, he finds, I find him probably about 25% as much as, as he does. Uh, but I hunt near cover a lot of times. So I, I like to hunt somewhere close to a thicket and I figure afternoons they're coming out of there, mornings they're going into there. Um, if you can find the right spot that's in between kind of talking about those open woods, like the, the one that I shot in, in Kentucky in, uh, September is wide open. Now the hillside bed in there. So you're not necessarily, not necessarily have a ticket or anything, especially with the bucks or hillside bed, but, um, but the transition kind of area is really close to the parking lot and they kind of just got to get the, the, the feeds on one side of that road and, they could bet on either side of it, but I always just saw deer there. I'd see them from the truck and whatnot, and, you know, usually just does or whatever, but I said, man, I'm going to try setting up on one of these heavy trails, up on it, shot him, you know, and I saw a couple other deer there uh, that day too, a couple does. But, um, you know, see, so I'll catch them in their transition areas, um, you know, just on, on heavy, heavy trails, but a lot of times I'll try to be closer to something thick um, and, hunting either, either trails or some kind of feed sign that is near that because that's usually, uh, or like Ricky said, kind of obviously it's some of the stuff that they're going to hit the most. They can either get up from bed and, and browse and come come out and hit it, or it'll be the first stuff that they hit when they come out of bed or, or the last thing they hit when they go back to bed. So we're talking about, I mean, you kind of proved the point there, right? You, you said in Kentucky you did this and this and this, whatever. Um, it doesn't always line up the same way. I feel like I, I hunt Kentucky a little bit differently or a lot differently, uh, than I hunt anywhere in the South. Do you agree, Spencer? The deer do, <laughs> the deer do things differently there than yeah. they do in the South. Like in the South, it, you, you know, even, even in Georgia, like, you know, I got boys that hunt Georgia and I'd always, you know, they never hunt fields or very rarely hunt fields because nothing will come in the field except a doe. 
you know, maybe during the rut, you might catch some bucks coming into them. But, you know, you go to Kentucky and Kansas and, you know, these Midwestern states and guys are hunting the fields, they're killing them, you know, because the bucks will come to them. I mean, obviously it changes under pressure and all that. And then you got to find the more secluded areas that, you know, they've kind of got away from all the easier to easier to hit stuff as far as the hunters, um, you know, and then if you find a, a secluded little food plot or secluded corner of the field or something, uh, you know, you may still find them even mid season or late season, still coming to that feed, uh, food source, you know, out in the field in the, in the late afternoon or whatever. So yeah, it just kind of depends. They, they just do things different, you know, and you know, where I was hunting in, in Kansas, I was hunting like a little strip and CRP on both sides. And, and this wasn't like six foot tall CRP that you'd expect near to definitely be in. It was like, wide open enough that i figured well this is a little funnel point that the sign was there and the sign was you know of, of course the rubs and scrapes were on all the all the trees so i'm like well they're following these edges man those deer hardly ever would be underneath they'd hardly ever be on that edge they go in the wide open and i don't know if that's something they get used to from hunting pressure or, or coyotes and other pressure if they feel almost more comfortable in that open area but that's how they seem to move, you know, so they're always moving away from some of that stuff. And That's kind of like know, a turkey. That's kind of like field birds. Yeah, and if yeah, yeah, and if you're hunting in a tree stand, I mean, unless you've got, you know, some good grass game and some kind of ground cover to get in, um, you know, you're stuck to one of those edges. You're stuck in a tree, and they start moving very erratically all throughout this area. So, um, yeah, it can, it can be tough. That leads to longer stops. That's why I taught Ricky into not getting rid of that compound because he's supposed to come to Kansas. <laughs> you don't get a whole lot of seven-yard shots in Kansas or ten-yard shots, you know. It's, so you got to have the long game out there. It's interesting. I've never, I've never, uh, never heard people really talk about that much as far as hunting Kansas. Like, um, I guess it seems like most of the stuff I see people hunt, they're in a tree hunting like a river bottom or something like that in Kansas. Is that not? really uh realistic man it you know I, I see that too and then i go do it and there's no deer there <laughs> but um it's also like some of the i think you get different sections of kansas but some of the river bottom where i've been hunting is does not look like the river bottom of kansas that some of these other guys are hunting you know yeah and i think they're usually hunting wide open river bottom on unpressured public ground or excuse me, unpressured private ground. Uh, you know, it's a totally different scenario. But um, yeah, I'm I'm usually in them. Uh, again, the, these these creek bottoms or any systems are very windy. A lot of Osage trees, very thick. Uh, it's tough to get shots through all that stuff. Um, so a lot of times I end up hunting kind of on the edge of it, where they'll either, you know, they might work up and down that creek system but they don't follow it because it's so windy. They straight line it. So whatever your straight line distance is from like, you know, the furthest out oxbow or bend that you see in it uh, to the next furthest out one, so almost straight line from one to the other, it'll seem like. So hunt near one of those where it starts to kind of pinch them, you know, where they've mm-hmm. been further out from the creek and then all of a sudden they kind of tie to it. And then you got a little bit of wood system that you're hunting and, you know, maybe get your shot behind you. And then also if they're following uh, outside of that wood system and they're in the CRP, you could also get the shot out there. Uh, it's just one scenario, but 
you know, that, that kind of thing will kind of work. But, um, but yeah, it just depends. You know, my buddy, he shot his awkward stand. I mean, he had a Osage tree that he was in. He was like eight feet up maybe in a climber <laughs> and shooting backwards. He was sitting backwards on his, on his rail. <laughs> so he's sitting backwards on his rail, holding his bow, looking out the other direction. Cause it's the only way that he could get that tree. And he was shooting through the, the crotch of it where it bifurcated and he shot that buck that way. So you sometimes got to get a little, little creative. No kidding. But, uh, I want, I want to up my ground game. And cause it's certainly not there. I got zero to, to brag on there. I've, I've not killed a deer from the ground. I don't, that I can think of probably with my gun, but not with bow. Yeah. I can think of, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, Kansas definitely lends itself to the kinds of guys that can get it done that way and glass and stalk and that sort of stuff because they can be out there and that stuff that's hard to get to. Man, we've we've talked about ground ground hunting a little bit out here, uh, and for sure, there's places uh, in the South where I feel like it's it can work. Um, clear cuts, cutovers that we've got out here, you know stuff that is real real thick and like dense with briars and things like that maybe some pine thickets Uh, but i'll be honest most of the spots that i find deer in um it's really not great for the ground and i've tried it i've really given it my best shot um and i don't feel like i've been able to uh, i've killed a deer that way actually but i felt like it was dumb luck if i'm being honest uh I i really felt lucky that particular day, I got two shots off, which was pretty pretty crazy. I missed one and then uh, killed on the, the second one that came through. Um, but I don't find a lot of places that are great for it. And like uh, uh, my friend Michael Pike um, and my other friend Nathan Protz, guys that are around hunt around the same area, they uh, they they moved to crossbows when they were doing this ground hunting stuff for a little while mm-hmm. because they just said it wasn't you cannot expect to get drawn on a buck in a lot of the open woods that we have with a, with a bow. Like it's just going to be really difficult. And then they've gone back and forth, crossbow to bow, whatever. Um, but just mm-hmm. an interesting thought, you know, a lot of guys watch, um, Zach Farrenball on the hunting public or, um, uh, Josh Ilderton from the untamed, uh, or, um, white adrenaline. Those guys are all doing that kind of stuff on the ground, but for the most part, they're hunting in these states, like you're mentioning, with that a uh, little more ground cover. Um, maybe not yeah. tall trees, you know, but you've got a lot of ground cover. That's how those deer are living, and so it seems like that's about the only way. But, Ricky, I know you've done it a couple times down here um, in the south. You've killed deer on the ground, I believe. Uh, I've killed hogs on the ground. I've, I've killed deer with a rifle, but... I think the only, I think the only deer I've killed off the ground with a bow were uh, in Kentucky. Now I do remember. Turner. Didn't you miss? Didn't you? Didn't you shoot one uh, a couple years back in maybe Georgia with a bow off the ground, and you didn't recover him or something like that? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, that was I was actually I was trying to get to a tree, but uh, okay, <laughs> he, he chased the doe pack. Yeah. That's why I had it in and my I, head that I you shot did him. It. And, yeah, that yeah, was close. I almost did it, but yeah, that wasn't uh that wasn't planned, unfortunately. But I've 
thought about it, especially for Kansas. I'm thinking about doing the little, uh, you know, the last arrow in your quiver. You got like yeah. a little blind there enough for you to draw back. Um, I was going to do it hunting turkey last year. I just never actually did it. But um, yeah, definitely, you know, I missed one off the ground at Kentucky two years ago. And then um, I think Adam Cruz actually went back and killed him. <laughs> a couple weeks later but then uh, it might not have been the same deer it was the same place but uh he, he killed he killed one that i had on video from the rut was that the one where he climbed up in the tree and somebody had already climbed that tree and it was initialed or something is that what you're talking about yeah yeah, yeah. which it wasn't wasn't my initials but yeah it was uh someone else you know there's only a couple trees that you can really get in right there that's why ricky was hunting them on the ground but um but yeah I, we I had hunted there, seen a couple bucks. I had already shot my buck that year, so I told Ricky go over there, and it's some real impressive. But it was, you know, pretty good bucks. You know, good enough to, to put a tag on, and uh, he almost made it happen. And then we left, and a couple of days later, uh, yeah, Adam came up and sent me a picture of of a buck. And at first, I didn't quite recognize him, and. The, the more I got to looking at it, I looked back at a video and I got a picture of him feeding 20 yards from me, uh, from the, the previous trip that I was up there, but I'd already, already shot, shot mine. So it's so funny to think about that. So you've got to know that y'all aren't the only people that hunted there. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, yeah. like we're, we're, you and Adam are a guy, it's a guy in Tennessee and a guy in Florida who happened to, you know, find the same area you know there was 47 other guys that probably know exactly where that was um it's interesting when you when you think about public land and you know we're we're talking to the people all the time who are in the same circle you know these mobile hunters willing to go the extra mile blah 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 um and a lot of times i feel like man i'm going back here deep where or or going to this really bizarre spot where nobody's probably ever been to. And sometimes I think, yeah, yeah I'm the only person that, that comes here. There's probably a hundred people that have been there. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> no, nothing sacred on public. No, man. Absolutely not. Absolutely you think, not. Um, I think you found something. You just <laughs> found something someone else already found. That's right. So you, I, I want to talk a little bit about these bucks that you guys killed uh, here the last week of the season. Um, I, I thought it was super cool. I mean, I know, I knew that, um, I knew that it was late. I did not quite realize that it was like still rut activity going on. So I guess really whoever, uh, Ricky, if you want to start, tell me about, tell me a little bit about that trip and your hunt and, uh, what ultimately led to you filling a tag that late in the season. Yeah. So we, uh, we planned this hunt and knew they would be, they should be chasing whenever we were going in February. So I had an opportunity to go over earlier than that, uh, for like five days. I think it, I think it rained four out of the five days I was there, but <laughs> I went and, uh, I went and got a lot of scouting in. I just walked and just got soaked every day, but I, I covered a lot of ground. When and you're, good thing when you're in, and when you're in Florida, uh, I just want to stop you. One thing that I noticed about in Florida is that it does seem like that the deer make a lot of a lot of sign pretty much anywhere that I've been in Florida. I find a lot of sign, few deer, but lots of sign. Um, yeah. What are some things that you're looking for when you're scouting in that type of terrain? Um, 
in the I mean, I know it's real swampy and stuff like that. What are you looking for? Uh, well, I try to one caveat to hunting in the swamp swamp areas is it, it holds tracks for a while. So just got to be mindful of that if you have a group of couple of does, three does, whatever, going through there every day or every three days, it's going to look like a cattle trail. But that's not, that's a lesson I've learned. The hard but uh, I'm looking that then I was looking for Buckstein, which I was finding it, but not, not like I expected, not for the amount of deer that I've heard around that area. Um, and the, it was raining every day. So I was able to see fresh tracks pretty much all the time. If I saw tracks, they were fresh because it was actively raining but um i was looking for i knew there wasn't going to be the oaks dropping because how late it was but i was just looking for oaks or acorns that weren't rotten that late in the year i've never hunted i've never hunted that late uh especially not in february but uh i would find some acorns and i found some and there was deer deer poop everywhere um and i was picking up the acorns and they were either rotten or they had wormholes and I just could not find any fresh ones, but there was so much feed sign there. I decided to hunt it. And that even, that was the first hunt. I think it was my fourth day that I actually got into deer. And I saw, I had four does within 10 yards for like an hour. I saw a spike and then I had a buck come in. I never saw his head, but he was making a scrape like 30 yards away. Um, and then he chased the does off. Never got a good look at him. But that particular place is just, it's a little bit different because it's West Florida. So you got some terrain there, not huge terrain, but we're talking, you know, 150 foot elevation um, changes. It's gradual. Some places and places is pretty steep and it's only like a 50 foot change, but it's, it's kind of steep. So uh, it took me five days to figure it out, but I figured out that uh, they had these spring fed creeks and that would kind of dead end into one of these bowls. And I found it in one spot and I thought it was just, okay, there's some tracks there. It looks good, but there was a lock on there. So I kind of, you know, wrote it off and went to another spot on the map, looked similar, found the same thing, went to another spot, found the same thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm not describe, that smart, but I figured that out. Describe what you're talking about. Are the creeks drain into a bowl? Is that what you said? Yeah, I don't, I, maybe Spencer can explain it better, but basically what it was, it, you have these we don't know how to describe terrain <laughs> we used to flat <laughs> but um have the main creek and i have these little they look like little feeder creeks but i think it was spring fed because the creek will kind of like dead end into this basically like a, a crow's foot or what would be considered a thermal hub just a couple fingers dropping down into one area or sometimes it was just a bowl and there'd be a high side and then it would drop down into the creek and it almost like the creek just kind of dead end into the hill huh. but the high side of those the deer were traveling you know they were cutting around the edges of the creek because they weren't the creeks were thick but narrow so there wasn't any there wasn't any major bedding or, or feed activity going on within the creek bottom because it was just literally creek thick vines and palmettos and then wide open so um it's not really like anything any place i've ever hunted but the terrain in some places was similar to like some of the hill country stuff in Kentucky. So they would hug that high side and that's, that's where I saw the buck on the first trip. And that's where I ended up killing my buck different area, but the same thing just at the, basically at the head of that Creek or the, where the spring comes out of the hill, not exactly sure which one it is, but they were just 
kind of crisscrossing. Yeah. Uh, they were just kind of crisscrossing around the edge of that creek, if that makes sense. Was there any, was there any and, food or uh, known doe bedding or anything like that that you were, that yeah, felt so like both, was there? Yeah, so both places, actually, the place I killed my buck at, that's the reason I went there, because it looked like it had better bedding. There was probably a, I don't know, four or five-year-old clear cut that they, they didn't replant, so it just kind of grew up and they, like sc- that scrubby oak stuff. And I could, it was pretty obvious they were coming in and out of there. So I went to the, that little pinch point at the top end of that Creek and there was a burn on the top side and the palmettos, they didn't fully burn. So it was just kind of like, it kind of necked them down between that and the Creek. And there was just a big concentration of buck sign there, a lot of rubs, few scrapes. And then, you know, I always look for deer poop and there was a lot of it there and wasn't really finding a ton of fresh acorns, but I mean, they were there eating it. So, um, that's where I set up at. And that morning I went to that spot and I was waiting for the right wind. And then I got the right wind, went in there and it was kind of like Kentucky. I set up for the, I had a wind coming out of the, uh, I think it was out of the Northwest. But anyways, I was kind of down in the bowl and my thermals were dropping down into the creek and there was like a little gully right underneath me. So it worked out pretty well. Um, all my scent was dropping down there. And in my video, you can actually see there's like a, a five point. That, and he is like right in my scent pool. And right after he starts rubbing the tree, he stops and turns and looks like dead at me. And I was, I don't know, 80 yards away, you know, hitting pretty well. And he picked out the direction I was, my scent was coming from. And then he just kind of, got bugged out and left but that's that's interesting talking about thermal hubs Mm -hmm. because and and i know these are these are a lot less of a terrain change than probably what we have even here or what what you've got in tennessee kentucky any of the places that have you know that hillier terrain but i've always said like people have asked me before about hunting thermal hubs and i most of the time i'm not trying to hunt one with a bow it's going to be a rifle <laughs> like that's what i'm that's what i'm trying to do is hunt them with a rifle because because of that reason like they can be 80 100 yards away and if your scent's pulling in one spot or to to that spot in any way it's just dangerous to hunt a thermal hub and expect not to get busted um but if you can shoot them before they get to that spot with a rifle that's great with a bow it's just a little bit harder yeah, it is. And like I said, the only reason I hunted it is because it was a, you know, short trip. I was kind of like, if I, if I burned, it was a morning. So the way the bedding was, I knew they'd either be crossing by me, head to the bedding, or they'd be crossing down into the creek. Mm-hmm. And uh, all their trails were within 30 yards of me. And I was something with the compound that morning. So that buck was actually the one that smelled me. He came by after I shot my buck, luckily. But uh, so, yeah, I had some does come by. And then I had one, they just kind of fed through. I got them on video and then I had one doe came through on a trot and I started, I couldn't see anything behind her, but I grunted anyways. And all of a sudden here she comes, she comes down, starts feeding. And then I see the buck coming behind her, the one I ended up killing. There's a scrape up on the hill and a lot of the scrapes I was finding, they weren't opened up. They were just, you know, you could tell it was a scrape, hadn't really been touched, but he was following her and he just kind of stopped, squatted peed a little in the scrape and that's all he did he just peed and kept going but um 
I just thought that was interesting. But he came in, you know, got a shot at 15 yards. He ran down into that creek and died. And uh, I gave it an hour, and I got down. And as soon as I got down and went done, tie my bow, there was another eight point standing there looking at me <laughs> right across that gully I was standing on. Like, tag gum, because you can kill two bucks a day there. But, um, you know, live and learn, I guess. I shouldn't, if I had to give it 15 more minutes, I'd add him at 15 yards too. But all those bucks, you know, it was pretty obvious that doe was hot because as soon as I shot him, all those bucks kept coming in. I, I knew better. I should have stayed in the tree, but. You know, the typical buck parade. I just didn't expect it to be that good in Florida, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you got a, a Midwestern buck parade in mm-hmm. Florida. That gummit. That's cool. All right. So, um, Spencer, you got the added benefit, it sounds like, of uh, your buddy coming and figuring out what the deer were doing a little bit earlier. Did you go by that, or did you exactly. did you decide to be a little prideful and figure it out yourself? No, I, I definitely went by that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that was a, a good huge move. advantage, you know. If you, it, yeah, if you got a, a, a repeating pattern that you can follow, uh, why not use it, you know? And, um, there's They do a lot of burns and selective cuts, so there's there's some big pieces of, of real open area, and I think especially it being a gun hunt, uh, a lot of guys tend to, tend to end up hunting that kind of stuff, and people like to see a lot you know you like to see 200 yards you know there when they're hunting things they give them more opportunities but you know you see a lot of stuff that you can't shoot or can't get that shot on or whatever but um you know I, maybe maybe early on they end up killing deer and that kind of stuff but logic to me just says that that's not and and the numbers prove it you know because there's 150 trucks in there or something and you know five deer get checked yeah so it's a low percentage it's a it's not a high percentage hunt um so that that just kind of goes from where a lot of those guys are probably hunting um and, and just not not in instant stuff but uh yeah, so i did use some of that repeating pattern and uh we had rain all the first day so i was <laughs> you know ricky knows but i was getting a little little pissy about everything like man this just sucks you know and you can't find uh, hard to find signs everything when it's when it's raining on you all the time just downpours i just didn't feel like walking as much i lost a little bit of drive because i'd already had a pretty successful season so this was just a bonus hunt and i was like you know, it's 50 degrees and raining how much am i going to kill myself i was here? trying um, i was trying to keep you jacked up and on the right track <laughs> i know i know but uh <laughs> But once I started finding sign, then I got all that stuff. Uh, so my first morning, um, I had a couple spots picked out that didn't feel great about, but it was one of those things where I was like, oh, maybe I should just get in a tree. And I did. And finally heard a couple shots. And, you know, my consciousness gets to me after a little bit. And I'm like, man, I'm wasting time right here. Like, I don't have anything really that has me excited about this spot. I hadn't even seen a deer yet. And, uh, and I was hunting one of those heads of the Creek, you know, and kind of the, and there was some sign there, but just nothing special. Um, and I said, I'm, I'm wasting time here. I only got two more days now to hunt, uh, you know, three hunts total. Cause we on Sunday morning, afternoon and Monday morning. That was it. I'm like, you know, I got to go find something. 
So I got out of the tree earlier than I normally would have. I uh, saw a couple deer on the road, but they were crossing in archery areas and I couldn't hunt them because uh, I was muzzleloader hunting. I wasn't bow hunting that, that area. But um, anyhow, I just kind of went on and went to go look at a spot that I'd already found some buck sign in uh, during the rain. And I found one one good spot, but it was just, it, it wasn't impossible to hunt, but it was really out of the way. Uh, long drive to get there. Um, fairly difficult to access, but it was behind a thicket. And again, I told you before, I usually try to hunt somewhat closer to the thickets, and that's usually where you're going to find some of that fresh sign. You know, somewhere he's coming out of there and he's going to start making sign, and then he's going to move on to wherever he's feeding at night and make even more. But um, so I found a big community scrape next to this thicket that had a bunch of deer poop in it, but the access was just pretty tough. But that was in my head. And then uh, I had another spot that I found two fresh scrapes, pretty big scrapes, and I wanted to walk it out a little bit better because I didn't, I kind of got off his sign. Uh, following the thicket, and I think that he might have worked down more more towards the creek. Um, but I get over there, there's a couple trucks there. So move on down to another spot. I was like, let me just walk the back edge of this thicket. And I walk back there. Same thing. It it, it comes to a little head. They kind of they circle around that. They'll come through the creek some, but they circle around that top of that head. There was a, a clear cut that was more like sage grass on the top side of this like directly where the head kind of dead ended and then you got a little bit of pine right there and it comes up and as it wraps around you got another clear cut there and that's closer to what i was hunting and it was kind of like what ricky says you know there's maybe five or six year old clear cut or something with with replanted pines um you know good stuff for bedding and it's got some food in it and it comes to a little oak flat right there well these oaks that i was in it was real small you know, you couldn't even climb a tree in most of this stuff. But there was one big oak in there, and that's actually where I should have been on the first day, but uh, or first hunt that afternoon. But I picked a different tree because I found just a, I mean, beat down heavy trail since the rain had probably ten different tracks in it, and uh, so I ended up sitting that, and it was a real tight spot. I could probably see fifty yards, but couldn't hardly shoot twenty. Mm-hmm. And at 50 i'm talking like little glimpse little glimpses you know and nothing <laughs> nothing hit that big heavy trail that day but i had a i had a good access with a good approach for the northeast or northwest wind that we had uh where i could ease up into that and trail was on my north side well north and west side so you know it was kind of perfect for my wind so like, spencer you know, i'm gonna interrupt you real quick to, i'm gonna interrupt yeah. you real fast because I feel like I know maybe where you're headed. So you are there one day, you find it, you hunt it, nothing comes in. On a short hunt like this, you decided to go back to the same spot for a different wind and a different access. Is that hear that right? Uh, no. So I, I hunted that morning and I got out of that spot because I didn't like it. So I went to another spot, scouted, and I scouted from, uh, I don't know, Ricky killed his buck because he killed it that morning. Um, I scouted for a couple hours and I'm, I'm doing this loop back here and I find this big heavy trail. And I, I was like, you. okay, I can come in, I can get on, I can get on this tree and I'll be able to hunt this heavy trail coming out of this bedding. It's got a lot of fresh sign on it since the rain last night, you know, and I expected that I would see something. 
and I did just on that trail, but it, it gave me perfect access for my wind and where I had to come in from and where I needed to set up. There was one available tree. Well, there's a what would have been the best tree was 30 yards away, and that was a bigger oak that a couple deer or one doe came into, fed underneath for a second, and then I see a doe with a pretty good buck behind her, and I only got a couple glimpses of him, and I couldn't get a shot on him. So I, um, and this is all, sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit. That was the afternoon hunt. You know, when I was scouting it, then I get the call that Ricky had killed a buck. Right, yeah. So I come on out of there. We go help with his buck. We do all that stuff. And I said, all right, guys, I got to go jump in. So I go back, jump in the tree, and I see that that afternoon. And uh, so because of where those deer move, I said, man, I got to I gotta move this set. So I break my stuff down. I was hunting out of the saddle. I break it down at, uh, at dark, and I move over to that bigger oak tree. It's the only big oak tree in this little section of, uh, of much smaller oak and uh set up in the dark go ahead and come on out next morning go in had a small buck that was probably just underneath shooter size i mean he was real borderline and only only had a couple glimpses of him and again this the spot still looks the same it's like you could from that tree it was maybe a little better you could shoot about 30 but you know maybe c50 and uh, so i saw him saw doe and then uh, about nine o'clock, which was about right based on the activity that I saw on the road the morning before when I was driving it, uh, you know, I started seeing deer right there with, uh, about nine to 10 o'clock, it seemed. And uh, 8.55, he'd come walking up from behind me like he had, he had made that loop around the top of that head. And he came up and he worked his way up onto that bench. And those oaks were between... They were on that flat, you know, creeks on the downhill side of that. And then they had a little burn right there and then the thickets behind me. So you got these kind of converging things and some terrain working and a little oak flat that was dropping a bunch of acorns. And there was multiple scrapes in there, a few rubs, but mostly scrapes, you know, just in several different locations. So you just tell the deer were working through there a lot. And uh, here he comes and I busted him. And buckled him up he uh ran about 50 yards and piled up but even even only around 50 yards i couldn't see him, so i had to climb yeah. down and what was that what was who, who's got a rooster in the room or something it sounded like a oh uh, yeah i got chicken. okay that's exactly i was like man somebody there's a rooster somewhere uh yeah i, I don't get service in the house i'm i'm outside <laughs> hanging out so. Oh man, well, it sounds like a heck of a, a heck of a fun time that you guys had, um, and I honestly wouldn't expect any less. You guys are probably some of the most effective deer hunters that I know. I've gotten an opportunity for anybody, any listeners here, you can uh, look back on some of our older episodes. We'd have Rick, we've had Ricky on a couple times, I think, for turkeys and deer, um, and Spencer was on. We did, we were on, a, did a live podcast. I know we may have done a couple phone call ones as well, but I think you guys, the way that y'all look at terrain the way you look at habitat um is is awesome like and it's effective i feel like y'all uh are always on deer um it seems like anytime i talk to you you're on deer you've got stuff figured out you're analyzing and figuring it out so um kudos to you guys it's awesome sounds like it was a great season I appreciate and appreciate it 
uh, man, I'm happy to know you, and hopefully somebody learned something from this podcast. Yeah, um, and one thing I hope so. I hope so too. And you know, something I learned a while ago, um, and I think I mostly learned it on my own. But then you hear it reinforced on on podcasts, other guys talking about the same stuff, and it and it really drives it into your mind. But you know, what I said this morning, how something something that I didn't really like, and uh, I just couldn't hunt it. I couldn't keep hunting it because I didn't like it. And I'm gonna get down and look. And I'm gonna I'm gonna walk and scout until I find something that I like. And if I like it, I'm gonna keep on walking and keep on scouting um, until something you know. It, yeah. You just get that stuff that that you get a feeling about, or the sign just you know it tells you like this is it. You know, there's a lot of deer sign and not a lot of hunter sign or whatever, and you know it tells you that you need to hunt there. But don't until you find that spot. You know, don't don't just hunt whatever just to be in a tree like. Yeah, don't settle. Some guys just, oh, I just, just, yeah, don't settle. Don't, oh, oh, I just need to be in a tree. Well, you know, could get lucky, but there's a lot of guys sitting in trees not killing deer. That's right. That's right. Well, cool, fellas. Appreciate you guys coming on. And absolutely, bro. I guess y'all, yeah, good luck next week when turkey season starts or whatever <laughs> it is for y'all. Y'all just, y'all got one week of off season and then, yeah. and then uh, it's right back to it. Yeah, I think yeah, we got not three going weeks. Is it? What is it, Ricky? You keep up better than me, but I think it's three weeks till youth season or youth weekend, and then the third week of March is when it opens. First week youth right? in South Florida. I think it's the fourth in South Florida. Yeah, it is. Oh, I might be I'm right. It's crazy. But, yeah, up here we're at the 11th, and ours starts the 18th. So, Fantastic. Well, good luck during turkey season, boys, and uh, we'll holler at you next time. All right. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook or Instagram or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, read some blog articles, and all that good stuff. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.